Hey, what's up? It's James. And teacher. We just want to tell you a few ways that you can support us. Financially. That's right. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash show. Inside the Patreon, you can find a few different packages. You got everything from like a dollar all the way up to $5,000. You know, like if you're business, you want to do some advertising, you want to be a guest on the show or something like that. But you know what? We appreciate any way you guys would like to support us. This is just another way of doing it. Or access the shop at lastreart.gallery. Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers, and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace. You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. L.A. Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of L.A. Street Art Gallery, James Chen of... podcast what's going on bro dude i'm uh i'm actually kind of excited today you know um, first of all too, I was, you know you saw the print that i've got now it's uh you know uh those Love of you it, who are man. listening it's the, the uh you know empathy for whale piece um and it's the print is it's a g clay from uh, harmony color and it's 12 by 12 on 14 by 14 heavyweight paper and yeah. these i decided not to number just because half of the proceeds are going to go to team C's and I didn't want to put a limit on, you know, how, how much it was possible to help these guys. So tell this the, is going to be a rare thing of not having a numbered print. Tell the audience about the, uh, what's on it just because in, in case they're just listening, which is a lot of people, you know, well, uh, you got a couple of whales, humpback whales. Um, you got the teach empathy thought bubble up there and, uh, along the bottom here or side it's, uh, this is one of the, first print this is the first print i've actually done where, you, where it actually goes diagonal instead of just mm-hmm. um you know square uh and it says please repair our home um has a few of the other you know learn teach piece uh, star on it he's got the uh spray love uh, stencil that's my international known piece a few stickers here and there to kind of represent trash in the ocean um, oh, i like that and it's on a, it's it's on a kind of like a yellow road work head and I like that. There's multiple. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, it's on the streets. Road work ahead streets. The original is uh, four feet by four feet. It's available as well. But uh, the prints are now, they're live on the, on the website. Um, so, yeah, and that and I'm kind of excited about our, our guest as well. You know, we're stepping outside of their <coughs> normal bounds. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like we haven't done that before. We've had, like, people that aren't related to necessarily art, you know what I mean? And on this podcast, um, you know, t- basically we talked to everybody man it's called paint the town you know what i mean so Absolutely. oh dude what you know well, we didn't do get around to last time was your music you said you were gonna play it and can you just yeah i have a new song okay i, I honestly I, I feel like i'm time. i feel like i really really like hit a new level of production on this one and i don't know i kind of want to hear your or see your reaction you know like i said you can't hide your reaction when no, you got me song. live hey, you know, going right so, here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I figure I was like, uh, uh, you know, this one is called uh, "I Love Your Loving." Okay, and um, yeah, let me show you. I love the uh, the name. There you go. <laughs>
You know what? I feel like that uh, back when I used to dance, if there was that type of music, I probably could have done a hell of a lot better. You know what I mean? Um, does this I mean, like this is live on the air and this is like not rehearsed, man. I mean, do, do you sound like it's like the production sonically is like a lot different than the stuff I used yeah. to do, do before? Yeah, okay, this okay. Um, the layers, the way they build and everything, um, continuity and everything. Yeah. 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 So, I mean past year you know i've been like going through actually like a mentorship with uh my boy john pignato man so uh you know you know it's like uh been really helping man so i have you ever had like a mentor just curious um kind of yeah i mean Um, i remember you had the uh you know your art teacher in in high school with uh well (laughs) the the original mentor (laughs) uh slash lust uh haven yeah um yeah, Miss Brogdon. Uh, that was the original mentor. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but was inspired there like, me a lot. <laughs> was there um, like somebody you know, you know what I mean? Art that school. W- there was Mr. Kresick, um, okay. and and Mr. Dunnick, uh, Larry Kresick and Regan Dunnick. Um, they were illustration teachers, mm. and you know they're characters. But um, I kind of you know looked up to them. You know, it's kind of like mentors. <clears throat> Once I got out of art school. Um, to my friend Paul Garcilano, actually in Kansas City. Uh, I <laughs> ended up in Kansas City trying to get into Hallmark greeting cards. Oh, you, you know, wanted this to drop them, basically, right? I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to do greeting cards for him. And yeah. I had sent, 
I made my own greeting card and sent it out um, for the holidays, one holidays, and I had sent him one. And he's like, hey, dude, um, you know, not bad. You know, would you be interested in, in working here at Hallmark? And I was like, getting a regular check to do artwork? Fuck yeah, man. You know, because <laughs> I was done with art school and everything, and, and I was doing mainly odd jobs, you know, whatever kind of work I could pick up, uh, covering pizzas for Domino's. Uh, one time oh, i didn't know that uh, okay yeah dude uh, all kinds of stuff um but uh you know so i i was in phoenix at the time so i moved to um kansas city and actually lived with my friend paul he loved having me there because <laughs> i was doing a bunch of fixing up the house you know helping him with the some of the plumbing some of the um yeah redoing his bathroom and painting and everything um so you know we basically redid my portfolio to geared towards Hallmark. Mm. And unfortunately what happened was I waited too long to, to submit my portfolio. When he got in touch with me, they're in, in the middle of a hiring frenzy. And if I would have submitted, you know, almost whatever I had at that moment, if I would have submitted it, then I probably could have gotten in. But because I waited like, I don't know, I think two months, Two and a half months or so it was after I got there that we finally got my portfolio together enough to turn in. He thought it was right about that time they stopped the hiring frenzy. And I got a, a little, you know, form rejection letter, basically. And it broke my heart, man. I was like, fuck, I thought for, this was going to be a for sure Not thing. You know, so did he. And it was like, damn, man. And then I found out, actually, uh, that same day I had a photo shoot. Uh, doing some um, set design for their Photoshop. And the, the designer on that set said, hey, listen, I, because um, I told him what happened, you know, and uh, he goes, look, let me just uh, tell you this. Um, I've seen portfolios uh, a lot, I mean, a lot worse than yours make it in easily. And I've seen portfolios better than yours um, not make it in. And he goes, timing has a lot to do with it. So I was like, no. Yeah. But dude, you know what? Looking back though, if I would have worked at Hallmark, I'd be a completely different person. You know, it would have been taking the safe route. And mm. I never would have gone in the adventure <laughs> that I ended up going on. Mm. Um, was that before you went, became a model scout or just was it after? <laughs> Um, or before you went to Africa, you know, when I, I started the model scouting right after I found out that, um, yeah, that, uh, I had gotten rejected from Hallmark like mm. a week after that. Um, my, uh, I guess, yeah, yeah. She was actually, I was still doing a little bit of modeling at the time. Um, my, uh, photo, uh, model agent said, Hey, these guys are going to be in town. They're actually looking to hire someone. You know, I was like, doing what? <laughs> a model scout getting to travel around and meet all these beautiful girls and everything? <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I didn't get this job at Hallmark then. Crap. I went and met these guys, got along with them really well and everything. He hired me right away. And right after he hired me, um, I got a call from this guy that I told you about that was at the, the photo shoot that afternoon that he told me, you know, he was in a different position by then. And he was offering me a, a job as a designer. 
as a uh, photo shoot designer, which I had never done, had no, uh, you know, experience at all doing something like that. And it blew my mind because I was thinking to myself, there's probably hundreds of people, at least, that have applied for that job who are 10 times or more qualified for it than I would be. Yet, because this guy remembered me from that one time, he was going to offer me the job. And, you know, if I, if I didn't have this job, had already given the guy my word that I was going to come work for him as a model scout, I, I would have been, you know, back at Hallmark. <laughs> You, you know, that's that's interesting, man. And you're right. It is about timing, man. And, you know, <laughs> big time. One yeah. of the things that a lot of people like say, uh, oh, that guy's lucky. Right. That guy's like lucky. You know, he's he, he's so lucky. Right. You know, and one of things, what you want. But if you work yeah. hard, it, that, that timing and luck really, really. Well, we'll check this difference. out, though. This is what I learned recently. And um, uh, I thought it was just like really profound. It was saying that like luck is where opportunity meets preparation right yes so, exactly like, that's what i was just thinking i couldn't figure out what it was but that's so, but, exactly yeah exactly so, what i was thinking so i mean if you would have got that job a lot of people probably would if the first time at hallmark you, a lot of people would have probably said damn you're so lucky man like you got corporate job that can uh you know you can do art and get paid basically but you know you took two months to prepare get paid regularly a regular yeah. check you know like <laughs> that had, had, and has still never happened with uh you know doing artwork i don't think anyone has yeah yeah i mean Since something it, like that they don't have that by the way anymore all these artists at, at hallmark yeah they they cut a bunch of them oh yeah for my, sure my for friend sure. doesn't work there anymore you know? <laughs> well i mean you know if you would have been like if you would have had your portfolio like right you know ready to go like right then you probably would have got, got that job too you know yeah. what i mean but oh absolutely sli sliding doors man like you know and another one opened up and Bam, the and story. it was hard. It was hard not to be angry with my friend that was, you know, telling me, no, not yet. Don't don't submit it yet, man. We still got to, you know, get a few more pieces in there, you know, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> OK, yeah. You know, and then I was like, yeah, if I would have just anything, if I would have put it in sooner, I could have had it. But and you know, what? I, no, bet you, I mean, I don't think you would have be became, uh, uh, you know, a street artist or a, oh know, dude a i artist. never would have taken the risk kind of risks that i ended up taking after that yeah you know? yeah no i mean i think i think it's important for people to hear that man especially like you know and the, this the like you said this the uh landscape of the you know the market is constantly changing too so it's like one day you might you might have thought you had like a sweet corporate gig and then it's like hey they invent you know machines or what on the internet <laughs> or dude how about that uh zoom layoff call mm. did you hear about that yeah like somebody Where this guy uh, laid off 900 people on a three-minute zoom call <laughs> oh well you know it just reminds me of my pharmaceutical sales rep days man so i actually i was luckily to you know i used to be a super corporate guy too man oh shoot um but i know you know, every single day, man, they, I mean, quarter, they would actually like, uh, you know, get everybody on the phone and then uh, they're like, all right, don't go to work today. You just got to wait by your phone to see if you're fired, man. <laughs> Ooh. Brutal, oh, like hey, but, he's here. Hey, yeah, I'm not going awesome. to let our guest wait today. So I'm going. Let Dude, he's right on time. Put on your red shoes and dance the blue. Welcome, Nick. Can you hear us okay? 
Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Awesome. Let's kick it off. <laughs> Let's go for it. We love we love David Bowie. What can we say? That's our that's our uh, entrance guest music, you know, for the people <laughs> just just listening to audio. They're like, oh, we see him walking down the hallway, you know, kind of puts a visual picture in his head, basically. So. All right. Hell yeah, man. Welcome to the show, man. Uh, we're so excited to have you, man. My name is James. And uh, obviously, yeah, you there you perfectly. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Like I said, this is uh, I'm sorry, you'd be over here. Right, James, you're over here. If I yeah. do this. OK. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is uh, my co-host, James. Um, James got into uh, this a little bit differently than I did. Um, James, go ahead and tell him how you yeah, actually up. it's funny. We were just talking about <clears throat> my former job. I was a pharmaceutical rep back in the day. And then during that period Drug of time, dealer. <clears throat> <laughs> a drug dealer, basically a legal drug dealer. And then I would carry these big drugs, big bags of drugs and deliver them to doctors as samples uh, during that period of time. And then actually, so my territory was like the Melrose area and then also, uh, you know, the Hollywood area. So during that period of time, 2010 to 2012, I would walk around and visit these doctor's offices and all this street art started pop up, popping off in the streets as I was like, just like uh, doing my job, you know, and I was like, man, is anybody taking pictures of this stuff? Because like, uh, I think this like might be buff tomorrow, you know, <laughs> so what I did, Most I started, of it was. <clears throat> so I started taking pictures of it at this time and, uh, you know, just threw it up on a Facebook group, actually. And then, uh, you know, it just grew and grew and it became this thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. You missed one part. It was a very smart, very uh, clever um, move that he made was he got the domain L.A. Street Art Gallery. Yeah. Okay. All right. So basically, I, I imagined to have a virtual gallery because all this stuff is like very temporary. Right. You, you know what I mean? So it, it grew into this group. And uh, now it's kind of like just a, a community center for where people want to keep up. Uh, with all the things going on about street art in um, Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, our official podcast is uh, this podcast right here, Paint the Town podcast, hosted by uh, myself and, uh, you know, one of L.A.'s finest street artists, uh, teacher right here. <laughs> Boy, so you see how he's, he's, you know, he's still kind of corporate, but he also is a music producer. We're actually just playing one of his songs that uh, he is, is a little bit different than what he's been doing. He's had a, a mentor recently finally finally got a mentor yeah. and, and really you know put a different effort towards it which i'm stoked with i'm, a, but, I'm um, an edm dj i mean I, I also dj other genres but just to give you a little background about myself basically but yeah great so. from drugs to edm it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah <laughs> you know during that period of time when i used to be a pharmaceutical sales rep i i was also uh moonlighting as a dj always and it was you know it's such a corporate environment that you don't really want to tell people, hey, I also DJ at nighttime, like, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. um, but, but nowadays I'm pretty open about everything I do, but, you know, I hate having to wear like a corporate hat and, uh, you know, like your personal life hat. But I, I mean, do you have to do that at like, uh, uh, you know, for late night and stuff, stuff like that? I mean, oh, wait, I so like we have this correct. You are um, the senior vice president uh -huh. of late night programming for CBS West Coast. <laughs> that is correct. Yes, that is. Thank you very That's much. That's mouthful, man. Yes, I got it. Wow. I, very corporate. <laughs> how long have you been doing that? So, uh, so I, I started at CBS uh, uh, almost exactly seven years ago, and I came with I, I came there uh, to to be part of the Late Late Show with James Corden, um, and before that. I worked at NBC and I was also uh, an exec there. Uh, I started as an assist. I started as a page 
So I was one of the guys giving tours and oh, seeing wow. people at the Tonight Show. And then I uh, I was able to- How long were you at NBC? I was there for like 11 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a good long, good long time. You know, like you guys have been around yeah. LA enough. Like n- people don't often have the same job for j- big stretches when you're in entertainment. You could have five or six jobs in the same year. Um, right. So I got really lucky to stick around for a while. Um, and it was because my boss, my mentor uh, was a super cool dude. His name was Rick Ludwin, he passed away about two years ago. Um, but he was the guy in charge of the late night department and uh, an assistant job opened up in his office. And that's how I started. I was his assistant. And then he knew how much, the more he got to know me, the more he knew how much I loved late night. And it was like a big, I was just a super nerd about it. And, um, and he gave me more to do. And then he started to move me up the ranks a little bit. And he had a really small office and he was in charge of both the West Coast and East Coast shows. Uh, so, um, so we got to see like everything in the 2000s uh, with Leno, Conan, SNL, Carson Daly, Jimmy Fallon, that whole, that whole group. Wow. So it was a really, and he was there much longer than me. He'd started in the eighties. So he knew everybody who'd ever hosted one of these shows. That is yeah, amazing. Now, By before you before you worked at NBC, what were you doing before then? Um, I, I was hoping to get a job in entertainment. Well, where are you um, from? Where, yeah, where are you from originally? I grew up in Maryland. Um, oh wow! Outside of DC, um, okay. and um, and I went to school in uh, Central New York at, at Syracuse, um, and they have a communications program there. And I kind of uh, like I always grew up. Um, liking pop culture and being interested in it. And, and uh, there just was so much less access in the 80s to how any of this works than now. So I had, I've said this to people before, but like we had the style section in the Washington Post and that's where on Wednesdays they would say the top 25 television shows and on Fridays they'd show you the top 10 movies. And I was always like, ooh, what's it? What is this? What's going on here? And on uh like Back Sunday 80s, mornings, there used to be a TV guide that showed you all the weekly. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, it's such a different world these days. Oh right? yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> I would, wait, I'd, I'd get the paper to figure out like what to watch next. It was, uh, it didn't make any sense. I had, I had one of those. I had a TV. They definitely no longer make, but even when I had it, they didn't make it. It was an 11 inch, which was like an obsolete television, uh, and you, it was a punch button. So it only had channels two through 13 and you could maneuver it a little bit. So like, God, this is so, all right. You're really getting the inside scoop on Nick Bernstein growing up. Uh, I could get both. If I tried really hard and put my antennas up, I could get the Baltimore stations separate from the DC stations, which was very important in the afternoons because from three to six, they'd show different type of syndicated programming. So I could watch Brady Bunch on one, Mark and Mindy on a different one. Maybe they'd have Saved by the Bell. You never knew like what the shows were, but that was a big thing for me. <laughs> uh, but well, dude, I'm 52, so I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like when I was when I was uh, you know eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, or whatever. You know, there was three, maybe four stations. You know, yeah, and sure. exactly. You know, you're getting the program to look at, at, at what's coming up. You know, and if there was no pause button or anything like that or recording stuff or whatever yeah. if something was on you know you're not allowed to be bothered by anything or whatever 
You know, my yeah. dad used to love watching All in the Family. We called it The Grouch. We called <laughs> that, that, that show The Grouch. And man, when he was watching that, like, you just don't, you know, you don't bother him, you don't, nothing until that show was over, you know, yeah. or in a commercial, you might, you know, slip in something during a commercial, whatever, but, you know, that's how it, uh, that's how it was. So when, uh, when did you come out to California? Yeah, when, when did you leave Maryland? Yeah, so I, um, I graduated uh, in the mid 90s. Uh, and I went to, uh, when I went, I went to Syracuse in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I, before I, I knew I wanted to work in TV, but I also had a bit of a travel bug. Um, and I really, I felt like I knew there was a, I knew I wanted to come to LA uh, because there was more TV here than, than anywhere else in the world. Um, but I knew if I didn't take time to see as many places as I could when I was in my early twenties, I'd never have a chance to do that. So I took about nine months and I drove around the country and I tried to hit all of the cold weather spots in the fall or the spring and did the warm weather spots in the, in the winter to, to avoid snow as much as possible because I, Syracuse was, it was enough. I, I got it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I got to like, uh, I, I hit something like 40 states and I stayed mostly with wow. friends and colleges. Um, wow. And every once in a while I'd stay in a like real cheap motel. Um, a little scared to go to bed at night in some of those places because uh, uh, they weren't the greatest areas, but they were only 20 bucks or 30 bucks a night. Um, oh, yikes. Yeah, that much a night. Yeah, there was one the ones that charged by the hour. Uh, I, I avoided those. I want, I was like, you know what? If they are selling this hard on the $12 a night place, I can probably up it to the $20 a night place. I was like, a, I think I was a VIP at the Super 8 Motel for a little while. Um, it was nice. Like, it He's was got a, a VIP place. plus card, platinum <laughs> card for yeah. Super Eight. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was really fun, and I basically um, I just got to see uh, you name a place, and I've probably yeah. been. How did you get around? I mean, did you drive like like you know what I mean? Like yeah. What was your vehicle? What did you drive? It was a it was a '98 Nissan Altima, and it was a lease, which was a flaw in my plan. <laughs> because I went like 20,000 miles over my, uh, my limit, which, you know, these are things you learn in your early twenties when you think like, and make better decisions in your life. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But the totally. rest of it was, uh, the rest of the, the, the trip was, was awesome. And like, um, it, it was, it was also like right before I didn't have a cell phone or anything yet. Like I had internet access and I had an email and all that. So I could, it was, it seemed easy to keep in touch with people, but it wasn't like uh, at the drop of a hat, I just knew how to get to places. Like I had to go to MapQuest and print stuff out and I had to like get, uh, I sometimes I would like call people or try to email them who I hadn't seen in years. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I stay with you for a couple of nights? I'm in your city. And most places, most people were really nice about it, which is cool. I picked good friends. Um, oh, man, that's awesome, you seem like man. a cool guy too though. So that's, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it as well. I will tell you this. Um, you know, I've been fortunate over the last six months because of all the silly things that have happened to me to get asked to do interviews here and there. And I told people that I was going on your podcast and, uh, and I was like, yeah, he's an LA graffiti artist. And, uh, our EP Rob Crabb was like, so wait, are you cool now? And I was <laughs> like, um, yeah, that's not for me to say, but I, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that hanging. And I, I appreciated the, uh, 
I, I appreciate all of this that's coming to me. Well, by the end of this podcast, um, I'm going to try to get you involved with something here, but you're not going to have to decide tonight. You know, I can take okay. your time, make your decision. I want to make an offer you can't refuse. Um, <laughs> no, I, wow. I don't mean, <laughs> I'm going to make you a great offer. Like, I'm sorry, my, my, my family is Italian, so sometimes it's, I'm just being funny. All right, teacher, um, you're saying this, by the way, and over your shoulder is like a picture of O.J. Simpson. So I don't know what you're going to ask me. And That's I, not mine. That's not my artwork. That's my friend, um, TV Head X in, uh, in Austin, Texas, okay. made that. Okay. Um, yeah, that's the O.J. Have you seen the uh, Obey? It says, yeah. I, got I reckon that. <laughs> uh -huh. It kind of looks I like an right Obey there, sticker. So I always look up, to him, look up to him, you know? Okay. You know what? Listen, I I will let's we can keep going. We can vibe however you need to vibe. I'm I listen to your <laughs> offer. No, yeah. okay. So my next just for the audience, is, hold on real quick. Just for the audience, I mean, uh, this is the obey sticker because you know what I mean. This is done yeah, yeah. by Shepard Fairey, so yeah. uh, it's kind of like a play off that uh that sticker that o, o, o that OJ instead of obey it says OJ and it has a picture of OJ. Oh, and it's the same. You know okay, I, mean? I didn't so, see that. Close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, so I mean, you know, just to explain to everybody. To be honest with you, I never really realized. You could see that no way and, and now that i think that i'm looking up to it, i'm gonna have to move that i i'm now kind of, i'm now getting kind of yeah i love how nick's yeah. like why do you have a picture of oj in the background <laughs> that's so true though. what are we going to get into what kind of offer you got for me but shout out to tv no, Head, but, man that, that's uh yeah. you know he's a street artist coming out of uh, austin texas man and he has really awesome work man and he probably will watch this later so uh shout out to him man hell yeah right, shout so i got um a question for you when when was it um or have you ever really noticed graffiti i mean at what point in your life were you when you were in maryland did you ever notice it there any graffiti there that is a great question um i don't so i'm clear like i am an executive and i didn't recognize or realize that that was the path i was going to be on necessarily Oh. But you can retrofit yourself into that situation, right? So you can yes, look sir. back and be like, okay, what what was I like as a kid? Uh, I wasn't one to like to uh, get my hands dirty. You didn't color and out of the line. That was, whether that was like paint, yeah, I was an inside the lines person. <laughs> um, but I appreciate art in general. But that group of people who are so cool that know how to visualize art uh anywhere that it can take place and be anywhere i find quite magical um wow that's, that's very nice my, out of my realm of uh of ability comprehension uh which is not even you'd be surprised give me a couple of weeks with you with a spray can or whatever you'd be surprised what we could do um <laughs> but so, no there's a couple of different classes of, you know, these types of artists. It's funny because I had uh, this friend of mine not long ago say, oh, I did that. I saw that box you did on the corner, whatever, whatever. I'm like, that's not mine. I I'm not the only one do doing this. You know, there's, there's, there's hundreds of guys doing stuff on boxes like this. Okay. It's not just me. Um, there are guys that do these pieces on the billboards. I don't know if you've seen any of the lettering work yeah. on billboards mm -hmm. before. Oh my gosh. Those guys I have the most respect for. Um, because to be you able to like do that piece, <laughs> no, 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 he no, gets I'm, on no I'm talking about too. the Don't spray can, like an original piece <laughs> with, uh, you know, the, the, the crazy letters that is to be able to do that. Just standing on the ground is not easy. Yeah. 
But when you're up on a billboard and you're sometimes 30, 40, 50 feet, sometimes even further up in the air, and you have a catwalk of, yeah, there you go. Um, right on know, a CBS billboard, too. Only. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? CBS sold their billboard company, so I this is fine. This is more, <laughs> more than merrier. Go you ahead, have teach, a very sorry. small catwalk up there, you know, and there's no railing or anything like that. Um, so yeah, and to be able to do that up on a billboard, these guys have the utmost respect for it. Um, I get it. Yeah, I so when I was um, so growing up, I'm not sure I had like that one to one where I was like I saw something and I was like this is the. Uh, who are these? Who's doing this? Where did this come from? Um, I think uh, I appreciated it more um, into my, I'd say like late twenties and early thirties. There was I worked on a show um, called the Pete Holmes Show, and um, one of the guests we had was this God. I think he was like a thirteen-year-old kid at the time, and they called him like the Fresh Prince of Street Art. Um, yeah, 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 it's a. Uh, um something gray saw something gray yeah it uh, uh, uh I, I remember his name i'll look it up in a second so, yeah uh, um skylar gray skylar, skylar gray. Gray. oh yeah i've helped that guy before so we did a a, uh, a comedy bit with him where um like i saw i read an article about him i was like this kid's incredible we went to uh an art exhibit that they had i think it was on melrose um this is about 10 years ago uh so my memory is a little hazy on it but like he helped, he, we did a bit where he showed us how to, and showed Pete uh, how to create art. Um, and, uh, and they did these really cool pieces. And then the one he made, we got to do as a giveaway, uh, which was also really cool. And so um, I, and, and, uh, and then I also had a chance at one point, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's the one right there. Um, and um, I got to work with, uh, with Jensen Carp. Um, on a show uh, a couple of years ago, uh, which was a um, it was a spinoff of the Late Late Show with James Corden. It was called Drop the Mic, and he has mm -hmm. his own art gallery, and he makes all these cool pins and works with people to create like these pins that feel like an extension of graffiti art in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, definitely. And some of the like you know, stuff that you have on on your wall and um, in the Obey uh, world, and so. Uh, I just think it's like a really exciting space in general. I just don't know as that much about it. Right. Yeah. Um, do you know who Banksy is? You ever heard of Banksy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, listen, I, I have to be aware of pop culture in general. So okay. I am, uh, yes, very aware. So he's, you know, one of the guys at the top of the line of what a lot of people like to call street art um, because he does pieces that have messages to them, you know, and he has them in places that are, you know, have something to do with that message um and so like i was telling you that the guys that do the, the letterings on the billboards those are graph writers um and then there's like more gangster style type graffiti um they don't like to be called graffiti artists necessarily just graffiti writers graph writers right but here's a couple of technical things for you okay if you ever just see um some uh, initials you know, or just what's called a throw, which is bubble letters, basically. And it's just one. That is not graffiti. It's a graffito. <laughs> graffiti is plural of graffito. Um, oh, wow. And so that's why a lot of times, you know, you see these guys go out together. Um, but don't tell one of these guys that. 
and also the other thing is technically um what street artists do is more like graffiti and what these guys do is more like street art because if you're doing a piece and you should the for example that billboard that we just showed well, let's you, back up a little could bit you tell exactly what those letters were no i, I couldn't even yeah. tell what they were okay just to be honest with you i couldn't even tell what the hell those letters they, were, they looked great though i mean it, it all came together and it was amazing yeah. but if you can't tell what it is it becomes abstract okay graffiti is not technically supposed to be abstract it's supposed to have a clear message to it okay so anytime i ever put up like one of these teach piece or you know teach whatever that's more graffiti like than these graph writers right well, but you cannot don't ever tell these guys that they're graffiti art i mean that they're street artists okay because they don't like that nick did you know that there's a difference or a distinction between the word street artists and graffiti artists yeah i'm sorry i didn't even ask yeah I, I mean because no, people... I wasn't aware. It's sort of like when you guys, when when people uh, call uh, comedy bits uh, skits instead of sketches. Mm. I want to rip my hair out. Uh, <laughs> a skit is something that you might do in your kitchen for your family, uh, or in like a gully at camp. And sketches are uh, okay. Sketches are what Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know. So basically, you know, Nick, you covered a lot of pop culture. We basically cover a lot of counterculture stuff, like, yeah. you, you know, normally. Yeah. Right. So basically, it's like in this street art graffiti world, like a, like teacher said, it's like some guys uh, who identify as graffiti writers. Basically, it's like super cringe if someone were to call them a street artist, you know, and in the mainstream, yeah. I don't think that there's any sort of even thought about how that's kind of like like, like a different thing. Basically. And of course, some people just call them vandals. You know? it, maybe maybe yeah. in the maybe in the comedy world, it's like there's like uh, improv guys and then there's stand up. Right. So it's uh -huh. kind of like two different worlds almost. But they kind of get lumped into the same thing. Right. You, you get right. what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> basically, it's like Banksy is like one of these guys who does like stencils, basically. And then although he has done some freehand kind of graffiti work as well, too. But yeah, I he's think, also done 3D pieces. <clears throat> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I think like you know, what his one of his claim to fame is like stencils, basically. Right. So um, a lot of times, you know, people who do stencils, they get um, they they, they uh, the graffiti writers feel like it's cheating because they're using like kind of like a, a pre prepared um, stencil that then you go out and they're just the making copies. See, well, when I first came on the scene. Um, OK, just so you know, I have a little bit of uh, history of me um, before as a graffiti artist, um, I started a project that developed into me be, being the first artist ever allowed to do uh, live paintings inside the corridors of the Pentagon. Um, and that was in uh, 2004. Um, and uh, I heard that, uh, and, yeah, I heard W and Cheney loved that. That was their thing, right? <laughs> 2004, that was, you had that sweet spot. <laughs> I actually did meet John Bolton, that little <laughs> wow. twerp. That, um, let me just uh <clears throat> that guy Sorry. came up and i had what i had was i had these paintings that i did there were 12 paintings i was going to put together a calendar each painting had 10 of the top world religious symbols hidden in the details the idea was if you want to get along look at the big picture you start picking out all the little details and all the little symbols that's when you start running into problems with people right so uh, my dad made frames for them i made easels and i decided i was going to take them to each one of the crash sites from 9 11 because that's kind of what brought the idea about, put them up on the easels and take a picture with the crash site in the background. Okay, so that's how I ended up at the Pentagon. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because, you know, I, 
I actually got a permit to put these paintings up on in front of the Capitol building mm. from the Capitol building police department. And I wasn't able to get in touch with the Pentagon or whatever uh, police department. But when I was at the Capitol building, it was like, look, you got this permit, just, you know, go on over there, take a picture. As long as you don't have a big crazy camera or everything, it should be fine. So after I took a picture with these paintings in front of the Capitol building, I went over to the Pentagon, drove around, found me a nice little grassy spot, perfect size and everything with the Pentagon in the background. And luckily, before I got started, uh, I went up to the closest guy on a motorcycle because these guys were all over the place. And I said, hey, just want to let you know I'm going to be, you know, setting these paintings up, taking a picture. And he goes, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I was just over at the, the Capitol building and the police department. Look, I got a permit and everything from over there. And he's like, well, let me see that permit. You know, like, yeah, this is for the Capitol building. This is the Pentagon. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, you're right there about that. Um, he goes, you're not allowed to take a picture of the outside of the Pentagon. He goes, here, call this number. And uh, so I called this number. I get an answering machine. I leave a message. That was it. <laughs> Packed up my stuff and went on to New Jersey to see some family there. Um, wow. But then a few weeks later, this guy calls me up from uh, building management. And he goes, hey, listen, it, we can't let you set the paintings up outside and take a picture, you know, security, whatever. But if you'd like to display them inside, you know, we can, we can do that for two weeks if you'd like. And the first thing that came to my mind was, it seems infinitely more complex of a situation for me to bring all my stuff and come and set up inside uh, as opposed to just setting up outside. You guys wouldn't have to do it. Okay, no, you know what? My paintings in the Pentagon, did I just hear that? Yes, 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 sir, absolutely. Um, and that's actually when my last name went from being Bielli to Beal, because whatever they said first, I was like, yes, that's it. Didn't want to be <laughs> arguing about something when I'm trying to get this going, you know? Sure. So that's how I ended up in the, in, the, in the Pentagon. And it went over so well, you know what I mean? But so John Bolton comes walking up. I'm sitting there with these paintings, you know, on easels, and I'm sitting there. The painting I'm actually doing, the first painting in the Pentagon was of the picture I took of my paintings in front of the Capitol building. Okay. And then I had like people of all different cultures coming walking towards them. And so he comes up, he sees all this stuff. He goes, well, what's this all about? You know, he goes, oh, you know, I just want to give you guys something peaceful to look at, you know, and he cuts me off and he goes, you know, we're not just a bunch of warmongers in here. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I didn't say that. And then he said a couple of other things, which I don't remember because I was so angry <laughs> and he, off he went. And that was it. That was my moment with John Bolton. That's and right. I just, but you know what though? I used that to help me from that point on. Cause anytime someone came up and said, Hey, well, what are you doing here? You know, I was like, well, you know, I realize you guys aren't just a bunch of warmongers <laughs> and uh, you know, wow. I just want to give you guys something else to look, you know, you guys don't ever get to see art happen. Here's some art happening. You know, people are bringing me coffee and donuts and, and lunch and everything. And, and I went there like a total of seven times. I started going to military bases. Then I just started going to, wow. um, police departments, fire departments, courthouse complex, city hall. The basic idea was I decided to turn art into a community service. And it really oh, worked. Yeah. I, everywhere where I was set up, I never had a sign up or anything. By the time, you know, two or three days, people were, you know, asking me to do paintings and stuff for them. So that's that, wild. Now I'm a graffiti artist. <laughs> that happened 
because yeah, the thing that links is uh, that you know you've always done public art basically right so you know graffiti yeah. art is a form of public some of that art, was yeah. street art <laughs> exactly right so uh, you know uh, what one other artist i want type of artist i wanted to just bring to attention in the whole street art world is the muralist too right this is a completely yes, different that's completely different thing. you know it's a different style like uh you know if you go to long beach aquarium right wyland has those big ass whales right that that's mm -hmm. you know it's like so there's the street artist, there's the muralist, and then there's the graffiti artist. So there's like and these sometimes, are... sometimes some of these graffiti letters that turn into what they call a burner. That's where you have a couple of different colors and some different patterns going on inside the letters and everything. Yeah. They almost kind of turn into a mural themselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. So anyway, I, I started doing graffiti because uh, I had twins. Well, my wife had them. <laughs> thank God. Um, a boy and a girl. They're they're 11 years old now. Anyway, when they were born. Um, my wife showed me this article in the newspaper. My wife is from Germany. She's European. And uh, her dad was a writer. She's a writer and director. And the article was about how they're taking money out of the education budget and art out of schools here in California. And when I got out here in, in um, 99, for the first time, I was kind of in and out of here, here in Florida. Um, but when I moved here full time in 2008, you know, I wanted to maybe start doing, you know, some bubble letters or something like that, but I couldn't come up with anything, mm. you know? especially something that I wanted to risk my ass for. So when this came up, I was like, you know what, sweetie, it is time for me to start doing some graffiti. Okay. And the way I'm going to go after this, I'm probably going to get arrested. So you're going to have to, you're going to get a message one day and you're going to have to come down to the, and, and bail me out, you know, the bail bondsman and everything, which um, actually did happen. <laughs> um, and she did it. She was a champ, man. She came down, got me bailed out and everything. I just wow. saw this. Uh, this was actually the first image. <clears throat> that I put out on the streets and it's wow. uh it's a dollar bill um but this has uh my daughter's face in it in a, in a hoodie you know and so the idea is it says education right there where the name is That's um funny. and then oh here's the uh and so I did a coin with my son these are really old stickers uh and it's you know it says education across the top um and so those were the first couple of images I started putting out on the streets, you know, and sure enough, I got busted and <laughs> taken in. That's a whole nother story. But um, oh, I'm sure. Hey, have you all um, heard, uh, did, are you podcast listeners also, as well as podcasters? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I'm have a, time for it. I have 20, 11 year olds. <laughs> right, I'm, a, I'm a huge podcast listener, but. There was a really cool um, podcast series that came out, I think about a year ago, maybe last summer, uh, called California Love um okay kpcc uh i think was the one that created it and it was like an eight ten part series about a um a journalist who grew up in uh the la in la moved then was coming back and uh sort of looking back at his time growing up in the 90s um and uh and assessing like what life was like now and all of these different episodes uh linked to Things that were happening at that time, one of which, uh, which your story about jail sparked this for me, uh, was um, was about him and his friends who uh, who would be tagging in uh, either super late at night or super early in the morning. And this one dude who they ended up interviewing, I'm pretty sure he was on Melrose. That like he was the guy who just went out and every day like. He would oh. scrub off the um he he'd scrub out the the art that was uh put out there and the tags and he's he the buff monster. Day. That's what yeah. we call it. <laughs> um and uh and I struck up a conversation with the guy 
uh, and like try to figure out why why he'd done it and all that. I don't want to give it away. Like it's definitely worth listening to, especially like it's a good crossover, I'm sure for for people who listen to yours. Um, uh, but um, the you have real danger. I always like danger and comedy, but the uh, they're not the same thing. Comedians don't get arrested uh, for things that they do on stage mostly. Um, no, unless you're Lenny Bruce or somebody like that, right? Yeah, yeah, in the sixties for sure. <laughs> um, uh, but but that um, but I'm that crossover is really there. I think it's why probably artists and and comics get along so well, and musicians also. That's the uh, the things you kind of can see that the other person does that you don't quite have that same uh, sort Just of it. yeah, and uh, and courage in a lot of ways. I think they 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 would call it like everyone sees that courage uh somewhere in that space well they, do you, uh, i mean absolutely. are you i mean like you know we introduced you as the uh you know senior vp of late night basically at cvs i mean would you consider yourself a comic too i mean is that kind of like like what you, what you uh or is that just basically because you you know you work for a lot of late night shows yeah i think it's like comedy through osmosis a little bit i didn't okay I didn't, you didn't want to stand uh, up or anything like that no i never did stand up i never um <clears throat> i never uh desired to be a performer like I, I um I I did things in high school and and like in college but I but nothing that was not what I was hoping to make a career out of sure sure, um, sure. and even moving out here it was like uh hard to know like how to break into uh into the business and I I thought like I don't know, like you have to work on a show. You have to be part, like on a show. I didn't necessarily even recognize or realize there's other people who don't work directly on shows who also get a chance to help shape those things. Yeah. Um, so when I learned that there was that as well, I was like, well, let me see what happens in that space. Um, Were you like a PA at first, basically? I, I have some friends, you know, trying to go into the entertainment industry to through the corporate. Well, yeah, world. earlier he said he was a he was a page for a little while at NBC before yeah. he ended up from there for eleven years. Yeah, I was a page, and I went from being a page to an assistant. But a lot of people did go from being a page to being a PA, um, and they worked on shows as well. So that's sort of like the cool thing about being a in the page program. There, everyone is basically like uh, pretty recent college grads, um, all interested in some part of the of. The entertainment business, or um, or just television business in general, and um, and so you get to hear about a lot of job opportunities when you're in the the mix already. The hard part, a lot of times, is just getting to hear about it and be um, be sort of uh, ear to the ground, essentially. And so, right place at the right time. Yeah, I mean a lot of it, and and uh, and at the time at NBC too, it was one of those things where. There are a lot of former pages that are in the business. They like hiring current pages. They like to give back a little bit in that way. Um, if Makes you, sense. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, they, it's almost like there's been a little bit of a vetting process already. Um, yeah, some experience, uh, you, right? Basically. Page. Yeah, yeah. you kind of know like a little bit of the lay of the land before I mean, you get to that. You know, wait, let me just interrupt. One of the reasons why I started noticing uh, Mr. Bernstein is that um, I guess it was when we went into COVID um, the, uh, then James, uh, Gordon from the, the late, late show brought his, I guess the, the writers and staff and made them the audience. And yep. then he started, he put you in this chair and he started raising yeah. it. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Really uh, high. Uh-huh. Yeah. Terrifying. I could have uh, I could have uh, tagged the walls from my vantage point. <laughs> uh, I could have tagged I, the ceiling uh, in the last spot. Yes. Um, there you I, go. Yes. Yeah, that is that's it. That's me. Um, <laughs> uh, so I uh, yeah, I wasn't able to go back into the studio until um, until I I'd been vaccinated and also I had to get permission because most people who work on the CBS side on the network uh, or the studio side they're still working from home right now. Um, the people who work on the shows are working uh, wherever wherever those shows are, are taped. Um, obviously the late, late shows like that, but they don't have, they didn't have an audience for a very long time also. So it was, uh, it was the staff who was there. And when I got the okay to go back into my office, um, they asked if I would go into the studio and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go wherever you want. Cause I'd been watching like everybody else um, how much fun everybody was having in the studio. It's just like a real loose environment. I mean, it felt yeah. in a lot of ways probably like, you know, a lot of podcast conversations are just like freewheeling and um, you just didn't know what was going to happen. The, like our version of danger is that like, I don't know. What yeah, I felt say. like you were, you were like, or James is like this pit bull, you know, it's just ready to just go crazy. You know what I mean? And you're like the owner you're like, you know, to like try, okay, easy, easy, easy. No, 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 no. Not that. No, 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 no. We can't talk about that. We can't talk about that. No, no, no. Yeah, it's it's easy to feel when you're in that um in that studio and you're essentially like by yourself. It's almost like uh you unlocked a door you weren't supposed to go in and you got control of the cameras and now like let's go. So uh, you know, <laughs> is anyone watching this? And then I was oh like, yes, I am watching. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> and uh and but I also recognize just as a fan of the genre of late night and you know, comparable morning or radio. Um, it is a lot of fun when they bring in people who aren't supposed to be on camera uh, <laughs> in whatever capacity that is, whether they're making fun of you or having fun with you or whatever that is. And me being on that side, I always thought back, like, I loved it. I loved watching that. I really enjoyed watching it. So if I'm part of it now, I think other people probably also are going to enjoy it. And Absolutely, I, have, I do. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I, I mean, uh, I can, I can look and be like, I'm gonna have to explain myself to a lot of people, <laughs> family, uh, the people who I report to, my bosses, uh, the other departments that I work with. Uh, you have children? I do. I have two kids, They're just a little older than yours, two daughters um, that are. Oh in my Minnesota. gosh, dude! What was what was COVID like for you when that first hit? I mean, it you was, had them at the house. You couldn't go anywhere. They're doing homeschooling, right? Yeah, yeah. They were for for um, all of 2020 into the spring of 21. Um, so not as long as some, but it, like it felt like forever. Um, we don't live in a very large house, and so oh god, so that's why when you're like, are you ready to go in? Yes, I'm ready to go in now. <laughs> I was ready. I was ready. I think they were all ready to be like, you can go, go, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, we are all on various zooms trying to get business done. Um, oh, and anytime anything happened, someone drops a book four people come out, what's happened, what's going on. And we're all just like, everyone needs to chill. Like we're going to be okay. But it was, and, and then, you know, the hardest part is like, like with everybody, uh, actually it's not the hardest part. 
it was a little bit different for me at a certain like three o'clock in the afternoons is when we would tape the late late show during the uh the th the the uh most of covid um and that was also a time when kids were still in school and so like i would be laughing my ass off at the stupid things that were happening and i'm watching it on zoom and my kids would have to come in and be like i can't hear my teacher right now you're gonna have to quiet down and i'm just like all right this, is gonna, please, this has to change at some point Nick, let me ask you, man. You, you, you know, you said you've been a fan of like Nate uh, late night, the, you know, the format and everything like that. I remember when I was a kid, you know, um, I, I, I always watched like Jay Leno and Kevin Eubanks, like kind of like, you know, yeah. go go at it basically. And then like, uh, um, like I said, it, it, to me, it, w it was really funny when they bring in like, you know, like the band and to kind of just talk about it. But I, I thought, you know, the whole. And then, like, you know, a lot of people were watching um, Letterman at this, at, you know, at the same time, too. Right. And then I thought that the story of how, like, late night kind of like came up is just so interesting, man. So, I mean, what, what was it like the series that you first started watching? I mean, was it was it like Le Leno or was it I mean, you watched Johnny Carson? Yeah, that, that's what I was getting to. I did not know that. <laughs> I Sorry. Did. I, mean, I uh, that, that was that was uh, very OK, teacher. Um, Thank you. Very <laughs> um, uh, I. But the first show I think for a lot of people um, is Saturday Night Live, right? Like that's yes. the one that, where it's like, oh my God, what are they doing? What type of, yeah. like this is comedy that is super edgy and you're not sure if you're allowed to laugh at it, if your parents are in the room. And- um, What and, era of Saturday Night Live was this? Chevy Chase and and um, like uh, Richard Pryor. I remember them doing a skit where oh. you're just like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, they were, they were, <laughs> they were called the not ready for primetime players for a reason. Um, and so I, my, the first era was late eighties, um, for me, which is, um, Eddie Murphy, Bill Hartman, Dana Carvey, oh, uh, yeah. Kevin Nealon, Dennis Miller at the end. Um, uh, it was like, it's Pat, uh, as a sketch, um, that Julie Sweeney did like Jan hooks. Like, oh yeah. yes. Um, there's just like, I, the list goes, it was, it was a murderer's row of people. Um, that, uh, that then like also transitioned into the Sandler, Spade, Chris Rock, Chris Farley group. Um, but, uh, when I was in, I don't know, like I was in middle school when the 15th anniversary of SNL, they're on year 45 or whatever now, it's 46, but the 15th anniversary special was in prime time. And that's the first time I saw almost all of the early years sketches. So that all the Eddie Murphy stuff. Okay. Uh, like just my the synapses in my brain just went off. I, I just couldn't believe that people did this, and it was on television, and I felt like cheated out of. Uh, I should have been born ten years <laughs> earlier so I could have watched all this while it was happening. Um, but that's what led to like uh, I loved In Living Color. Uh, I watched Arsenio because they had all of the that show had all of the coolest people. Yeah, I mean they were the ones. You know when you had it was a crazy era then because. You had Johnny Carson, who still had um, uh, vintage comedians from the 60s and 70s who were coming on his show. Those were his, that was his his gang. And then Arsenio had um, anybody who was popular now. So they were like the you know the first ones that had NWA on. They had Mariah Carey on first. They had uh, wow. they had uh, all of the like any show that was hot. Those people uh, would be on Arsenio. Um, it really captured a youth culture in a different way 
that it seems like crazy now to think about because yeah no really yeah it does because i mean if you're even going a little bit back a uh, one generation if you think about like ed sullivan brought over the beatles and it's like it was like so definitive of like hey these guys are stars right and the next yeah. generation like you said and nowadays it's kind of like the late nights kind of like has to wait for the youtube the internet kind of the world to uh see what's going on and then it's kind of like the next level would you say so kind of I think right I think a lot of times that happens. Yeah, somebody breaks on. It's almost always somebody breaks online first, and then everyone yeah. is clamoring to get those uh, those artists uh, on on the show. Um, where it's you know, um, and now it is uh, also very international, which is kind That's of true. incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I can't tell. Like I have seen uh, the cast of Squid Game on multiple shows, and everyone's fighting to get them on. And, um, and like, think how crazy that is. Two months ago, nobody had ever even heard of Squid Game or yeah. seen any of this cast in anything uh, unless they were super fans of a genre. Uh, and they are like, that's the hottest booking you could possibly have right now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so like I, that, that all, but as far as uh, late night and talk shows go, um, and the Late Late Show always goofs on me because I, I mention him so often, but like the first one that where I was like, oh, this is this guy making a show specifically for me uh, was Conan. That was the time where Ooh, I, like, I love Conan. Hell yeah. Conan. Conan first started. It just so felt like, freaky. Yeah, they they were. That was like dangerous comedy to me. And and uh, they were doing things that just seemed like completely out of the ordinary. And uh, your parents uh, didn't know what was going on. And uh, and I always really enjoyed <laughs> I just liked that. I thought that was yeah, cool. I mean, Conan was happening when I was in college, man. So sometimes I would be like, you know, come back around like, you know, late after studying or probably not studying, hanging out or something like that. You right. know, you flip on the TV, it's like 1.30 in the morning and there's Conan doing his string dance. You, you know what I mean? And then yeah, it kind of yeah. it kind of just like, like I said, it, did, it did feel like less mainstream, like, you know, compared to uh, like Leno that was like <clears throat> right beforehand, you know? Yeah. So you did get a kind of like a feel like, hey, this is like cooler than like what uh, the, you know, the regular like Tonight Show is kind of kind of talking about, you know, so. Yeah, and on purpose too, it was one of those, I mean, the way the television worked then, so, you know, old man in the room, um, but like- <laughs> I'm the old man in the room, yeah. how old are you? Uh, old man in the room, Is that, that's the name of the podcast, right? Um, and we, uh, I like that. We, um, so uh, yeah, the 11.30 show had to be the, um, the, uh, the more mainstream show. That was the intention of it and the creation of it, but the 12.30 show was always supposed to be the counterculture show. And that started with like Tom Snyder in the 70s, um uh all the way through uh what letterman was when he started and what conan was and um when he was uh in that space and i think that sort of like insanity that the late late show with james gordon is doing now um particularly in that act one where you got this really free form situation happening um where there is there is a monologue that's been written that does exist in a space but when, <laughs> when you actually get to that portion of the show is anyone's guess you used to right. like somebody walked out uh you know it's true yeah kevin eubanks of the world play uh the, the um, intro song uh someone hits their mark uh they say hello and then straight into the jokes and that is not what happens now at least on our show no nope, absolutely not you know what before we get uh, too far and you gotta go um so this is the offer that uh, i'm gonna extend your way um so what I'm known for more than anything is doing uh, stencils of portraits of people. 
Um, you know, like that's James right there and that's me right there. You see? Love it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I usually have like a thought bubble over the top of them that says like, you know, teach peace, you know, the teach peace cross, or now it's the learn teach peace, uh, star. I've seen it. Um, and so what, uh, what I have here is another stencil. Wow. Um, and, uh, <laughs> now I know you have, uh, you're a resourceful guy. Uh -huh. um you have access to some writers and everything and so this is going to go on the street okay this is going on the street somewhere all right now you i'm going to allow you to choose what goes in either the speak bubble or the thought bubble okay oh you're not going to get in trouble for this you're not going to be there putting it up or whatever okay this is all on me all right oh but i will in, get in trouble not the way you, <laughs> not your trouble i will get in trouble though <laughs> I don't want to get you into trouble. You don't want to be in. Okay. So that's why I'm let you think about it. Don't answer me right now. Don't break my heart right now. <laughs> but um, if there's something you can think of, I'll send you a picture of this uh, through, uh, through Kelsey. Okay. Um, and, you know, because it can, you know, it can be kind of, you know, he's coming in from the side, you know, maybe he looks this way or, you know, maybe he's dropping down from the, from the top, you know, he's like, <laughs> uh -huh. hello. Hi, what are you doing then? Wow. What are you doing there? <laughs> Nick, just to give you an example of uh, something like, uh, you know, one of teacher's creations, basically. Uh, wow. You know, here is uh, Dave, Mr. Dave Duchovny with a speech bubble sand there back in. And that's like kind of like teacher's uh, distinctive style, basically, you know. Actually, he actually put this up in China. Uh, you know, we went, to, yeah. yeah, he actually went to China and, uh, the only him. reason why I got up and did anything in China was because of this dude right here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh -huh. James Shen is, is fluent in Chinese and we went to this That's arts it. district of Shanghai when we were there for a trade show. And he, um, there's a, you know, an area that has marked off where guys have done work and everything. And then across the street, just all kinds of graffiti. And we were walking along the other side and he, saw some guy went in and talked to him the guy came out he's like yeah right over there is okay and next thing i know i was allowed to put up some stencils there in wow. shanghai on the other side of the street you know which never would have happened if it was just me okay so yeah i get to sound that cool like amazing. that i'm i'm international you know worldwide and everything <laughs> but i've sent my my stencils to other artists and they've they've put them up for me that's one of the things that um you know graffiti artists or stencil street artists more more so than than the graffiti writers you know they'll send their stuff to another uh street artist and that street artist will get them up in their area TJ, so it's like you know it's pronounced graffito graffito because it's just one we learned something today <laughs> their graffito up for them yes thank you i love that he's already learning it and and like you know and showing me that he that he does remember i like that Nick, one of the cool things about i, I just want to uh you know show you one of teachers uh pieces jen it's for covid you, you know what i mean that it's only one layer but he can add different colors to it too so here oh, we have so you know mr rogers saying like uh uh hello neighbor wear a fucking mask and this, <laughs> is kind of, this is kind of funny because like people got offended with this one Nick. yes people they were did like, mr I, rogers would never like, say that. mr How rogers would never say fucking okay <laughs> you know what i mean so i was just like you can never you ever know. please everybody you know what i mean if you're making some people laugh their ass off i guarantee you you know this yes. there's others who are, you're just pissing them off and you're gonna hear from them you're like yes keith i know yep, that is all. <laughs> dozens and dozens of emails i'm sure right all of that tracks yep the internet yeah. is a fickle beast but yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's been awesome, Nick. And then I just wanted to, you know, we just wanted to invite you on today. You know, t we're, 
couple big fans basically and uh nice you know, it's it's been it's been awesome man you, you know so uh uh, I also like your story of how you got into your job that you, you did, you know, because, um, you know, part of me was there was a moment where um, I was going to think, well, now, did you get there because of nepotism? You know, like you're just hanging around doing nothing and, you know, you just boom, you got the job. But no, dude, you put your time in. You're made for that job. You may not look like because you, you let your hair grow out and everything. You yeah. look like you could be a graffiti artist, actually. Oh, you could nice. be a street artist. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I, figured, I think this is who I am these days. I, like I know. It, I, I actually, I, I kind of like just Google the pictures of you and you actually had shorter hair. And this was like people's, I think the audience uh, focus groups like the longer hair a little bit better, right? <laughs> I, I, uh, so we have our 1000th episode tomorrow and the, um, wow. Yeah. Congratulations, so, man. Yeah. It's I mean, everybody's really excited about it. Um, and well, I, well, I think we'll look back a little bit, but the, uh, the hairstylist on the show is really, really hoping that I'll let uh, him braid my hair. For the show tomorrow. and i haven't i just you should do cornrows bro you should do cornrows <laughs> that seems like the wrong thing for me but uh um, yeah, yeah yeah you're right you're right I, i'm not sure i can pull that off but you're, like, you're in the, you're on mainstream cbs i don't yeah, think that's right yeah, Look, yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. not counterculture enough to pull off cornrows um i but maybe maybe i'll let them braid maybe just one braid we'll see what happens <laughs> <laughs> do the pippy long stocking bro well, dude, you, you are definitely a trooper um you know like i said after seeing you on the on the show um i just was like man that guy is is really interesting he seems like a really cool guy and then when i heard that you're you know up for doing podcasts i was like no way man you know like we james and i talked about how you know we, we want to expand this and, and get other people and you know if they don't know anything you know educate them so that they can educate others as well you know yeah we have the feeling that, you know, if you never know what to look for, you're never going to see it. But once you do see it, even if it's just one time, you're going to be looking for it again and again. Um, and actually, my wife, my wife just got to uh, film in a, a movie in, in, um, in Budapest. Um, it's like a modern day version of Alice in Wonderland. It's called Get Lost. And it should be edited in about 12 weeks or so. Has um, Alex Travolta inside it, right? Yeah, Alex Travolta is the, the star of it and everything. Oh. And she included a lot of graffiti art in the the movie so um you know one more gonna... thing I, one more thing i think we should talk about just because uh you know um there's a banksy ex expo going on right now in los angeles and uh, actually my man teacher right here his piece is actually in that banksy expo yeah yeah you, you know what i mean so uh like it blew dude it blew my mind the, the wife was able to get tickets to go there and we took the kids down there and we were we got to about maybe one fifth of the exhibit and my son comes running up and he's dad come here come here i gotta show you something i gotta show you something i'm like son look okay this is not the time okay daddy is taking his time and he's enjoying this exhibit okay so just chill out you know poor thing you know once i finally got to this it was a like i would say 10 feet eight foot by 10 foot blown up photo and it was this piece that he did with charlie brown there you go there yeah and james has pulled it up for you this is um, on a burning building, burn building. And basically. so that, yeah, the piece yeah. that's on the building there, that's one of the first pieces that I put on the street. That's so crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, my son was like, that's what I wanted to show you, dad. I'm like, so, so Nick, I mean, welcome to the world of street art, man. And, yeah. uh, you, you know, LA Street Art Gallery, man, it's like we've been documenting street art for about a decade now, man. And, uh, you know, it's just everything you want to find out about what's going on in local Over street art culture. 
and then yeah probably over a decade now you know you can come to la shore gallery basically online you can find it on all the social media pages. you ever need a, a graffiti artist or whatever you know who to hit up nowhere to go um, now but you know like i said uh think about the uh, our collaboration possibility i will and you don't even have to take responsibility for it. Say, you know what? I, I gave it to uh, Ian. You know, Ian. I love yeah. Ian. Ian's really funny. Oh, trust me. Um, blame it on Ian, you know? Trust me. I will not be taking responsibility for this at all. <laughs> no, I'll be the one putting up. It's going to go up. I, already, I mean, you saw the stencil, right? It's going up. I, I saw it. I love it. I think it's <laughs> awesome. It'll be really cool to see. And I will uh, marinate on a thought bubble. And I will have never told you the thought bubble to use. <laughs> I love right. that. Man. They're not going to no, know no, that no. on here. You know what I mean? You can tell me afterwards if you'd rather rather not do it. No one's going to know that. I'm going to think about. It. I'm going to think about something. I I I, uh, I think this will be really fun. Nick, do you um, want? Um, do you, want you know what? Uh, he can. You can. You can have the stencil if James wants it or whoever wants it. That's cool. Um, yeah, you can have the stencil. Maybe that's that. awesome. Um, is there? Do you, do you promote your social pages or you know is that you know corporate? I'm not sure. <laughs> At this point, like... usually we say you know if people would like to get in touch with you. Or yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, but just like I don't think we're gonna. I'm have not that sure. This yeah, part. you know, I'm not yeah. sure, dude. Yeah, you'll find you'll, you'll find. He wants that, uh, less people to get in touch with him. I think. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've gotten a lot of attention, and it's uh, mostly nice, and I really appreciate it. But um, you can feel free to tag me when the episode comes out and I'm happy to talk to you in all these various places, but uh, I don't really need to promote anything. Okay. <laughs> I already think literally, they think that like, they think that I'm promoting myself all the time uh, already <laughs> on the show. They keep on me. They've literally this week, uh, they put this fake piece of uh, fake photo that they said was from Oh, me. I saw that. I saw and that. Thank you for making me so famous. Thank you for making me famous. Like I wrote a note to James and put it on his desk so that he could show the world two different photos of me with a note that said, thank you for making me famous, which is absolute bull. I never did that before. <laughs> I could tell. I was like, wait, that doesn't seem like something Nick would do. They, they pan over uh, to you and you're sitting there going, no, no, absolutely uh -huh. not me. No, but uh, <laughs> they, they like that. Uh, that I have, uh, they think I have a giant ego now, so I'm going to prove to them uh, that I don't by not promoting myself on your podcast. And we're going to make sure that they know that that, that happened. But, dude, <laughs> we really, really appreciate your time. Thank you, man. It's um, been awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I loved it. I'm really glad that you reached out. And uh, I can't wait to check out the site more. And uh, I, you guys are doing, like, a real service for the city by keeping uh, a legacy of this art. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so Thank much, you, Nick. Man. It's Thank been awesome hanging much. out with you, man. And uh, appreciate you, too, man. I All feel right. like such good vibes for me, man, and I appreciate that. Oh, man. thanks. See why? Dude, I told you. He's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Appreciate oh, yeah, man. it. All right. We'll talk to you soon, man. Take care. All right. Bye. Peace. Peace.